We are in a message series called My Place, and in this series, we're looking at our approach to the core areas of our lives, uh, and we're looking at those areas and how Jesus showed us to approach them. He, he made it clear, Jesus made it very clear, that the greatest in his kingdom are those who serve. He came to serve, and if you follow him, that's what he asks you and I to do. If we choose to follow him, he wants us to serve. So the main idea for this message series is to serve God's purpose for my life, I must know my place and take my place. And this, this place that I'm referring to is a, an attitude, a mental position. An attitude is a mental position or preset that flows into it, shows up in our approach to life. The way that we handle our roles, the way that we handle our relationships, the way that we um, handle our responsibilities, our attitude affects us. And just like on Google Maps, if you're going to go on your phone or your computer and get directions somewhere, it needs to locate you. You have to give it a starting point. Well, our attitude, my place, my proper place, is the place we launch from mentally to decide what we're going to say and what we're going to do. And it has a tremendous impact on the outcome of whatever it is we're saying and doing. And so we must know our place. We talked about that last week. I mentioned last week that there's a theme that runs through Scripture. Jesus said the same thing over and over and over again. And this theme is very, very important. I'd like to show you a, a video clip because it, it illustrates this theme and how we should choose the right attitude in our roles and relationships and responsibilities so that uh, God can bring his blessing in our lives. It's a video clip from uh, a show called McGee and Me, and it's very nostalgic in the Lanthrop uh, family. We, as soon as I mentioned this clip, Cindy knew exactly which episode it was from and all, but somebody gave Focus on the Family a grant to do a Disney-quality TV show, and so they put together McGee and Me, and it focused on kingdom values and this, the approach to life that, that Jesus showed us to take. So here, here's the clip. And noticing that all who came to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. If you are invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. Then you shows up, the host will bring him over to where you are sitting and say, Let this man sit here instead. Uh, here? And you, embarrassed, will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. <laughs> Do this instead. Start at the foot of the table. And when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, 
We have a better place than this for you. Thus, you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For everyone who tries to honor himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be honored. That's a that's a great picture of what Scripture says. That that is actually an application of Proverbs twenty five six through seven. Don't work yourself into the spotlight. Don't push your way into the place of prominence. It's better to be promoted to a place of honor than face humiliation by being demoted. And that's the theme that you find in Scripture. Very very important to choose humility and to humble yourself so that your circumstances don't end up trying to humble you. We still have to choose it ourselves. To take our place, we have to choose that. I talked last week about my approach to sports banquets growing up, hoping that I would get the award and be the star in the eyes of everyone. Uh, My approach to basketball was much the same. I I tend to apply things to my sports realm because I played a lot of sports growing up, but I was what they call a shooter in basketball. Most shooters, like me, are pretty sure that whenever they get the hands, their hands on the ball, that they can make the shot no matter where they're at on the court, no matter what they do. Um, and so I kind of had this mentality, no matter who's guarding me or what. I worked at the high school that Reggie Miller went to. Do, do you remember who Reggie Miller is, one of the, one of the greats in NBA uh, in the recent days? He was one of the great players. Well, I didn't care if he was guarding me or not. I thought I could shoot over him. You know, even though he had several inches on me and could jump out of the gym, I tried. Okay, that, that's kind of my attitude. Well, that's, my, that, that's kind of how this desire to have a place of prominence shows up on the basketball court. This unchecked desire to be the star will ruin a team. It, it will just ruin a team. No matter how much talent's on the team, no matter what. God's been working in my heart over the past 36 years to help me stop pushing my way into a place of prominence and take the lower place. And if I'm invited to a higher place, then I'll take it. The desire is still there for that place. It's not going to go away. Scripture says that, that it's embedded in all of our hearts to be a star in some way. It comes out in different ways. So I have to keep it in check to, so that it doesn't spoil things. It doesn't spoil relationships and projects I'm, I'm work, working on. In fact, I played with a, a group of older guys a few years ago, and my solution was to shoot whenever the coach told me to shoot and to not shoot whenever the coach told me not to shoot. So we'd get in a huddle and he'd say, Randy, time to start shooting. Okay. <laughs> I start shooting. I'm still not sure I had the right reflexes and that he always appreciated the shots I took. I was better, but not perfect. But this is something that stirs around in my heart and your heart that uh, we have to deal with. We all struggle with this desire to have a place of prominence. That's why it's a theme, because if we don't keep it in check, it ruins us. It, it, it really does. It it creates um, a very negative atmosphere in in the way we relate to people. Uh, Today, we're going to look at God's purpose in our household. Now, in the Bible, household doesn't refer to the people in your house alone. That's not the idea of a household. A household refers to my circle of family, friends, associates, 
and acquaintances. It's a little broader than just the people who live in my house. Now, if we cave in to this desire for prominence in our circle, our approach to the people around us, to our responsibilities, to the roles that we play in life gets toxic. It it gets toxic and it creates friction and real problems that we have to begin to unwind in the way that we're relating to the people around us. So the first thing that we want to pay attention to today is that Jesus' followers need to know about this, and they need to know that God placed you in your circle for a reason. And we're going to look at the reasons that he put us in our circle. Acts 17 says, From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined, this says that God determined the time set for them, the the era in which we live, he determined that, and the exact places where we should live. So, He decided which family you were going to be born into. He he decided your address that you're living in. He, he, He decided this. He put you there. He gives us some choices along the way, but somehow he weaves this in and he knows these things. It's easy to adopt the idea, though. Even though God put us in our circle, it's very easy as we're going through life to decide, I don't like my circle. I want a new circle. It's very easy for the circle to get stale. And when there's conflict or things are ho-hum and, and humdrum, you know, it's, it's easy to think, well, I, I really want to get another circle. So like a Frisbee, we throw the circle that we're in away and we go finding, try, trying to find an upgrade. You know, we, we really want an upgrade. We want a new circle and we want to sort of pull away from our current connections in order to find a new place. So sometimes we want to trade in our circle for another. This passage tells us that God put us in the circle we're in. And actually, that's the perspective of Scripture. He, he plops you in your circle for a reason. He put you there. He, he chose our family. He put us at our address. Now, God may widen the circle, and this is what happens when you, you live a healthy life. God widens the circle. And you get to know more and more people, and sometimes whether it's healthy or not. But your circle may widen through the years, but he is going to, ba- he's going to bless you based on your approach to the circle you're in right now. He, he's going to bless you based on your faithfulness, whether or not you're faithful in the circle you find yourself right now. So don't throw it away like a Frisbee. Don't, don't do that, even though you may be tempted to. Some in your current circle may never change. And there are things about your current circle that you can't change, like the family you were born into. But your future blessing will hinge on your present faithfulness in the circle you find yourself right now. This is all part of what God's doing in your life and mine. He put us in the circle. He wants to use the people around us, the circumstances we find ourselves in, to develop us, to to grow us, and to change us. So he plops us in the circle, and he has some purposes for us. He has some reasons for us to be in that circle. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to serve his purpose, and he wants us to serve others. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. 
This is why God created us. He's worthy of glory and honor. He is worthy of honor and glory because he made us. There's no other reason needed. He gave us a choice in whether or not we're going to honor him. It's the way he made us. He's going to allow us to choose whether we bring glory to him or we try to glorify ourselves and get all the glory ourselves, which is our tendency that we have. Um, But his purpose is for us to glorify him. And when we honor him, when we decide to, to humble ourselves and honor him in the way that we live our lives, our lives begin to hum. Things really hum. It gets good. So he he wants us in our circle to honor him in the way we handle things. He wants us to serve his purpose. And there are two major purposes, good works and good news. That's what they revolve around. First of all, to serve his purpose, I want to do good works. He plops us in our circle we're in, and he wants us to do good works. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you want to know what God wants for you today, what, what his will is for you today, good works for the rest of this day. If you spend some time with your family, if you do some things, he wants you to do good. That, that's something that doesn't naturally flow out of my mind to focus on doing good. I'm usually focused on getting done what I want, having things come together the way I'd like, and making sure it's all benefiting myself. But God puts us there, and he wants us to focus on doing good. He has planned this beforehand. So if you're wondering what God wants for the rest of the day, he wants you to do good. If you're wondering about tomorrow at work, when you go to work, he he wants you to do good. He wants you to set your heart on good works. There will be opportunities to focus on yourself or shift the focus off yourself and and do kindness to the people around you. God wants kindness. He wants us to to bless people. He wants the same thing tomorrow and this week and for the rest of our lives. Jesus' followers have a life purpose that Paul describes in Acts 20, 24. It has to do with the good news. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now, if you know and follow Christ, God put you in your circle, the one you're in right now, to tell others about the good news, about the wonderful grace of God, that you don't have to earn his favor, that you, you can turn to him, admit your sin, and find his favor. He wants us to begin to share how Jesus has changed our lives and explain how you can connect with God through Jesus Christ. So those are our purposes. Another reason God puts us in our circle is to serve others. In fact, my place is to serve everyone in my circle. Everyone. Now, here, here's a quick review of some things we talked about last week, because we, we dug into Philippians 2, and Philippians 2 is, is 5 through 11 is a hymn. It's thought to be a hymn that the early church sang so that they would remember these things. Very, very important in terms of showing us what our attitude as a follower of Christ should be in our circle. And it says, um, I find my place by following Jesus' example. And Jesus, what he did is he took the very nature of servant. He didn't put on servant clothes or act the part of a servant. 
he, he actually took on the very nature of a servant. This is how he viewed himself. He humbled himself in one situation after another as he dealt with the flow of life. As, as life went by, Jesus, the one who made us, the God of the universe, the one who really deserved the highest place at any banquet or in any room, voluntarily humbled himself and took the lowest place. And this is something we must choose as well if we follow him. This is what he asked. And then it says he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was obedient to death on a cross, which is a horrible and humiliating way to die. He asked his followers to do the same. We, we die to ourself over and over again. We have to die to ourselves. We have set aside our wants, our desires, the way we want things to turn out, and set our heart on doing what God wants, on obeying him. This is painful, it's uncomfortable, and it's inconvenient. In, in our circle... Maybe we're deciding what we're going to do on a family outing, or we're going to decide the way we're going to go at a, after a project, the way we're going to do it, what we want to do with certain things. Or at work, they're distributing assignments. You've been waiting for this. You know, you've been waiting to find out what your next assignment is. They're handing them out, and they're starting to, to, to distribute these things. It's very easy to react to the decisions that are made by thinking, that's not what I want. That is not right. I would have done this, not that. This is the way I want to do it. This is what I think. This is the way I should. But Jesus, again, set the pace for us here. And this is a part of becoming obedient. When we, we react with, it's not what I want. You know, what's going on in our lives and in our circle. Maybe there's some, some struggle with what's going on. And it's not what you want. Jesus set the pace for us. Right before his, right before his crucifixion, he, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed. And Scripture says he was so intensely emotionally wrought about what was coming up, the crucifixion, that he was, he was bleeding, uh, his sweat was bleeding. He was bleeding through his sweat. And this is what he said. He said, Father... If you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. This is, this is the pattern that we, we should choose. In our circle, what's going on in our lives, we may not want what's going on. It may be frustrating, irritating. It may be fear, fearful creating a lot of anxiety, and, and it's just not what we want. But this we can pray, Father, if you're, we can ask God to change it. We can ask him. We have the freedom to do that, and sometimes he does. And then sometimes he leaves it the way it is because he has an, another purpose in it. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done. So we have to make this shift. So part of taking our place. This is how we take our place. We make a shift from my will to his will, and we become obedient. This is how we locate ourselves mentally. This is how I locate myself if, I, if I'm going to follow Christ so that I can choose the right direction for my words and my actions. 
If you want to know your place in the circle that you're in, that's it. You take the nature of a servant, you humble yourself, and you obey God. You set your heart to do what God wants. Not what I want, but what God wants. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, this is what he's called you to do. Now, to find my place um, in, in my circle, we, we, we need to know our role in the circle. We all have a general role in the circle. These are very general roles that I have for you on the screen. Uh, in the circle, you may be the leader in the circle, or you may be a peer, a friend or an associate or a sibling, or you might be a follower. Now, if I'm going to find my place in the circle, I have to remember my role. Because it's very easy when you're a follower to want to become a leader and to take responsibility for things that aren't yours. It's very easy when you're a peer to treat peers like you're a leader. And, and we need to remember our role. We have very, very general roles. Leader, peer, follower. If I'm going to take my place, if I'm going to find my place in any situation, I have to remember my role so I can be appropriate. And then I have to take my place to serve. This is what Jesus wants. Whatever my role, my place is to serve. If I'm the leader, I'm to use my leadership and whatever authority I have in the situation to serve the people around me. If I'm a peer, I use the strength I have, whatever I've got, I try to serve the people. And if I'm a follower, I do the same. I serve. It's, I, I, I have a heart to serve. So whatever my role, my place is to serve. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says this. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. In other words, Jesus set us free from sin. He set us free from law. This is in the context of people who were trying to impose the uh, law on uh, the, the Old Testament law that the Hebrews followed on the Gentiles, people who were not, not Hebrew. But we have the freedom, but use the freedom to serve one another in love. Love for God and love for others is the root out of which grows our service in the circle that we live in. This is the root. The entire law, he's talking about the law again here, the Old Testament, uh, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, your neighbor can be defined as the person right in front of you in your circle that you're relating to right now. So we're, we're to love them as we love ourselves. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And what happens when we want the place of prominence? What happens when we want to rise above everyone else or when we try to put ourselves mentally above the people around us? What happens? We begin to, to fight like dogs and wild animals. That's the word picture here. It's, it's the word picture of a dog fight or a fight between animals. They're contending and striving like wild animals fighting to be the alpha, the, the big king of the pile. Whatever it is. If I consistently, though, if I consistently serve those in my circle in love, then I'm going to fulfill God's purpose for me 
and be a powerful influence over time. This is what God wants. Now, here's the way it flows in our everyday lives. My love for God and the love he gives me motivates me to take my place and serve the people in my my circle. So in, in our circle, we shift roles. And sometimes I'm a leader, maybe at home, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a leader. At work, I'm, I happen to be in charge. <laughs> but maybe at work, you're not the boss, but you're a follower. In certain situations, you, you have coworkers, you have peers, you have people that you relate to. What we need to do, if we're going to serve the people well in our circle, we have to remember our role. Dial in God's purpose and take my place. Take our place. At home, maybe you're the parent. That's your role. The leadership role. It's important to remember your role as you go through the day. I'm the parent, not the cruise director. Very important to remember that. I'm the parent, not the drill sergeant. Also something important to remember. You remember your role. I'm the parent. You you dial in God's purpose for parents. We need to know that. We need to understand it. His purpose is that as you live life with your kids 24-7, as you're walking through life with them, he wants you to train them in an atmosphere of love. So it's important to get into the scripture to understand this, what God wants and what he needs. This means that I have to be intentional about this training thing, and I have to focus on it. I can't just try to make it through another day, just try to survive. I've got to think beyond that. I've got to think beyond the circumstances that are going on in the lives of my kids and in my own life. I've got to get beyond that and think about how I can use this circumstance to actually train them and help them. I I don't want them just to learn survival tactics for life. I want them to learn how to thrive. That's what Scripture wants for parents. And so I I shouldn't try to be my my kid's best friend. I mean, it's important to have a great relationship with your kids, but there's a role that trumps being their best friend. So I take my place and I serve my kids by playing my role as a parent, and I try to play it well. I serve by taking the time as life is happening to train my kids so they can thrive when they grow up, not just survive. And I can't forget my role. I have to remember my role, dial in God's purpose, and then take my place. With friends or associates, I must remember my role. I am not the boss of them. I'm not. If I'm, if I'm their friend or their sibling or their co-worker, I am not the boss of them, but I'm a friend. I, I am not their conscience. I am not their teacher. I am not their judge. I am a friend. That's my role. I want to be a good friend, so I dial in God's purpose. His purpose is that I help them if they don't know Christ, if they haven't yet decided to follow him. I'm, my purpose is to live my life in a way that draws them toward him. And when I have opportunity to tell them what God's doing in my life and explain who he is and how Jesus connects us to him. That's, that's part of my role if they don't know Christ. If, if they do know Christ, and maybe even if they don't, then I'm to encourage them in their growth toward him or their growth in him. Now, I take my place and I serve by looking for opportunities to share what God is teaching me and what he is doing in my life with those who don't know him. Now, 
with, other, with friends who do know him, I may need to point out a blind spot that is hurting them. Maybe there's a pattern of relating or a pattern of living that's hurting them. Good friends don't let friends crash and burn without giving them a warning. But I never do that. I never give a warning from a place of judgment, from a place of instruction. But I look across the table, and it'll go better if you can identify with your own tendency to go haywire and to go sideways. But I, 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 may, I bring it up out of love with a desire to really help, to serve. And that'll show up in your words and in your actions toward the people around you. you you'll, get, you'll communicate very clearly what your motive is. It'll come out. At work, I need to remember my role. If I'm an employee, I'm not the boss. I have to stay within the boundaries of my responsibility. It's not my job to run the company or try to control the people in it or the, the assignments that are handed out or the project that's going on, whatever it is. I'm a follower, so I dial in God's purpose. He wants me, God wants me to give everything I've got to serve the best interests of the company or the school or the group or whatever it is. He wants me to give everything I've got to serve the best interests of that company, that group. He wants me to give everything I got to help the boss achieve his objectives or her objectives. He, he wants me to, Colossians 3, 24 and 25, whatever you do, work heartily as serving the Lord, not men. Because it's from the Lord that you will receive your reward. This is God's purpose. I'm to serve like I'm serving him. I take my place and serve. If I have input, and you may, if you're a normal human being, you may have input for, for the boss or for those around you or above you, you give the input, but you give it freely. It's their responsibility. They're going to have to answer for the decisions that are made. But I, I give the input and I serve the best interests of those over me and around me and maybe under me if, if you're a leader in that setting. That's why it's so crucial to know God's word. This is why we need to know it because it informs us as to how we're to operate. We need to dial in God's purpose so we know his purpose. And so in, the diff- in our circle, with our family, our friends, our work associates, in the work setting, we understand our role, we can remember our role, we can dial in God's purpose, and we can take our place and serve. This is a good reason to soak in the scriptures and aim to do them. Now, when I take my place in my circles, several good things happen over time. This is what's going to be happening. First of all, God is honored. He he is pleased. He's honored. The people around, as they see you relate, as you're walking with him, he gets the glory. You don't. And we were made to glorify God. So when we're glorifying God, there is a deep sense of joy and happiness and satisfaction. His purpose is served. When I take my place in my circle, his purpose is served. People are blessed. We want to be blessers, not cursers. You know, you don't want to be the person when you walk into work or you walk into the room, oh, oh there they are. Oh. <laughs> That's a cursor. They just curse the room they walked in. You don't want to be that person. You want to be blessers. God wants us to be blessers. When I serve, when I take my place and serve, 
In my household, I add real value wherever I am. I'm plopped in this circle, and I add value. And my kindness is a real help to people. People want me around because I'm enjoyable and I'm helpful. So they want me to be around. If some in my circle don't yet follow Christ, they're going to be encouraged to investigate him, to check it out. They're, they're going to at least, hopefully, be encouraged to check him out. We can build trust by taking our place that opens others up to listen to our stories about the good news, about the wonderful things that God's doing in our own lives. And then I am blessed. People are blessed and I am blessed as I take my place. When we honor God and serve his purpose and bless people this way, we experience a deep personal joy. This is what we've wanted. This is what we try to get through our self-centered approach, aiming for the place of prominence. Happiness doesn't come by focusing on ourselves. A self-centered approach creates friction and trouble. So if I'm going to take my place in the household, I must take the nature of a servant, humble myself, and obey the one who made me. As I do that, God is pleased. He's honored. People are served. His purpose is served. And people are blessed, and I am blessed. I want to wrap up just with another situation or portion of Jesus' teaching about this taking the right attitude, taking our place. He was talking to his disciples. He was teaching his disciples at one point in Matthew 23. And he was talking about the hypocritical religious leaders of his day. And he came down very hard on them. And he, he, came, he made this point very, very clear because it's so important. But this is what he said. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and, and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi or teacher. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you, you only have one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father. For only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you only have one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Take a moment to think. If you've been falling on your face over and over and over again, this could be the reason. This principle has been woven into the very fabric of life by God himself. If you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. If you humble yourself, you will be exalted. If you live in your circle, if it's a bumpy road constantly, there's constantly bumpy road, and it seems to be smooth for others around you, consider, see if this is the root cause. Maybe you're exalting yourself, and you need to humble yourself. I want to wrap up the message today by asking you to think through some next steps. I've made some suggestions. They're on your connection card. If you would, please take your connection card out of the program. And um, if, if, you, if you had finished completing that, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to be taking our offering, uh, receiving our offering anyway, in a few moments. And we'd like for you to complete any information on that card or 
fill out the next steps on the card that you'd like to take, and then when the offering ushers come around, you can drop that card in the offering. Well, here's some next steps. Uh, first one, I'm planning to attend the baptism overview on September 11th. This is a great way to share Christ with the people in your circle. Baptism was intended to be a public statement of the inward commitment you've made to follow Christ. And so this is a great, great thing. If you haven't yet, if you've committed your life to Christ recently and you haven't yet been baptized, there's an overview on the, the 11th of September that you can go to and find out all about it and ask questions and, and get the scoop on baptism. Second step, I will invite my unchurched family and friends to the big day on September 18th. We're having a, a big launch day. There's an invite card. Alex is going to talk about it more uh, when he's going through the announcements, but that's in your program. You can use that to invite people. But this is something we can all do. If Sundays at CIV are helpful to you, you can invite your family and friends to join in. Uh, we all work to make Sunday is a great experience for guests who are trying to find out what it means to follow Christ. That's, that's one of the core things that we're trying to do here. And then another step would be to memorize Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. A tremendous reminder. Then as I walk through the, the message today, um, maybe God spoke to you about something specific. A, a way that you need to take your place in your circle. So that could be a step. I'm going to take my place in my circle by, and then you can fill in the blank. And then also, you may be ready to commit your life to Christ for the very first time. If you are, uh, then let us know. For the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. I'm, I would like to pray as as we uh, get ready to to sing worship songs to the Lord as the band comes up. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we're glad you're here. And we have a gift for you um, through the double doors and to the left. There's a book with some, uh, there's a book on a table to the left there, and it's called The Case for Christ. And we'd love for you to pick that up on the way out of the ballroom if you would. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us that you are so patient, even even when we exalt ourselves. You're patient, but it does, out of your kindness, you've wired it in so that there are trouble in our lives when we do that. So God, help us to humble ourselves before you. Because as we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, he exalts, you exalt. So Father, we ask for your help in this. We ask that you'd help us to take our place and to serve those in our circle so that they'd be blessed, so that you'd be honored, and so that we could find blessing as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.